My name is Tanya Curtis and I'm the director of FABIC and FABIC is a behavioural specialist centre based up on the Gold Coast and we support people to understand and change unwanted behaviour. So I do that in many different ways. I've got the clinic where people come to to, to be able to learn how to change their own unwanted behaviours but I also do a lot of training as well. So training in the community, training for organisations, training for individuals all based on the same concept of supporting people to first understand behaviour because that's a key concept that is missing in today's society is that we try to change behaviour but we don't look at understanding what's the purpose, what's the reason of that behaviour happening in the first place. And we're going to cover eating disorders here on Belly today but before we do can you just tell me how you got involved with the profession that you're in? I knew from a young age that I'd want to work in the human services field in some way I wasn't sure what that would look like or how that would look like. When I finished school and in my early 20s, I was more interested in getting life experience and learning to connect with people and be with people. And I got to travel a lot in that process. Uh, when I was 25, I happened to be at the Gold Coast and uh, had a day to fill in and ended up at a university open day and walking around the university and decided then was the time for me to start studying. So I, I started studying psychology but realised that wasn't the field that I actually wanted because psychology wasn't the picture that I'd always imagined it to be because it was a lot more to do with, um, as I called it, rats and stats. It was a lot more statistical based rather than working with people. And then I stumbled across a, a department in the university that I hadn't even known that it existed and swapped my degree quite quickly and was the first to graduate in the Bachelor of Health Science in Behaviour Management and continued my studies through there. So my, my qualifications are very unique. In fact, I'm the only person in Australia, possibly the world, that has the culmination of, of degrees that I actually have. And how do you use those to help people? The key first that I always approach is that we need to first of all connect with people for who they are and see them not for their behaviour but see them for basically just an awesome being just for being them and then from there I see their behaviours and I see their behaviours as a coping strategy in a way in which they're learning how to understand and manage the world. So a lot of people that I work with use behaviours that we'd describe as unwanted and there's many descriptive words that you would use for that but I, I just simply use it as unwanted. I come from a place of never judging those behaviours, rather come from a place of saying well how do we understand those behaviours and get to the point of going no person really wants to be using unwanted behaviours, they're just using those behaviours in response to learning how to live in this world that they don't completely understand. The way in which I work predominantly with people is going, okay, I get you're using that behaviour. Let's try and understand why that's happening. Understand that that behaviour is happening so it's supporting you to cope in a world that you don't feel equipped to deal with. So one of my key roles is supporting people to develop the skills so that they feel equipped to deal with everyday life. How common is it and, and what sorts of people do you find that are coming to you with eating disorders? I don't have the statistics per se as to the numbers. I work a lot with people with eating disorders from all ages. I've worked with somebody as young as five years of age who had an eating disorder, a young, a young girl. Then I've also worked with adults. 
a lot of people associate eating disorders to be kind of with teenage girls and yeah I certainly do work with teenage girls with eating disorders but I've also worked with adult men with eating disorders so it's quite a hidden disorder in, in today's society because eating disorders is a word that is quite broad and yes there is data to say this is the criteria of what you meet to, to have an eating disorder. I also am a person that can often switch words a little bit. Sometimes I switch the word from eating disorder to disordered eating and look at that and go okay well if I examine disordered eating and go well who in the world is eating foods that, that may taste good in their mouth but is not so great for their body? And if that's the case, then we look at that and go, well, is it possible that most of us have a form of disordered eating in some way? And so from that perspective, it doesn't make it abnormal to have an eating disorder. That's just the label, that's just the criteria that people need to tick to meet the scientific diagnosis to have that. I try to look at behaviour as just a very generalised process, and in fact, it can impact on all of us in some way. A lot of people also would, when they hear the words eating disorder, would think anorexia, for example, maybe the first thing that springs to mind. But what are some others that you come across? Well, ones that come with labels, including anorexia, but then there's also bulimia is quite a big eating disorder that's out there. For those that aren't aware of bulimia, it's one where people will tend to eat a lot of food but then purge in some way to, to try and rid the food from their body in whatever way they can. They're probably the two consistent labels that people have but I personally am not a person who likes labels. It's uh, always say that people are not their label whereas a label is just a description of the behaviours that people use. When people come to you what sort of stages of their journey with food are they at? Again it's a spectrum if I could say that so I've got people who may be concerned about their eating patterns per se so they might like obesity I guess it comes under eating disorders in some way as well so you've got people who are concerned at their overeating patterns then I've had clients who it's not under court order but it's under order by the government in some way that they have to turn up to the hospital on a regular basis to get weighed in unless they meet a certain weight then they're going to be submitted to hospital on a regular basis which to me when I address eating disorders per se I look at it as a lot of people who have it or eating disorders are living in a world that they perceive a huge loss of control over and when you're living in a world that you don't feel equipped to deal with, that you don't feel like you have the ability to control, you'll often bring it back to behaviours that you can control. So you may not be able to control what's happening at school or what's happening in your family or what's happening with your friends or whatever is happening in the world, but you can control what goes in your mouth and what doesn't. So it's often a way of control. Even though we look at it as a controlling behaviour, I very rarely address eating. I address it from the perspective of going, well, what's happening in your world that you perceive loss of control over? And how can we support you to reconnect to the world, to develop the skills so that you feel equipped to deal with your daily activity, your daily life, and so that you feel okay just being you? And then from that perspective, the eating can sort of remedy itself. But a lot of the treatments that exist out there for eating disorders actually take further control away from the person. So when I'm, say, working with the teenagers who have to check into the hospital every week, they're at the point of, it's almost like a fear that's driving them because they don't want to end up in that place where some people have been held down and force-fed and 
it's quite a loss of control when you're at that stage. From my perspective, I personally never heal another person. I never support a person to get out of their eating disorder. My role is simply to teach them the skills and what they choose to do with that is up to them. So it's for them to learn to apply the strategies so they're actually the person that's in charge of their own healing. We're just simply here as a facilitator to be able to support them and offer the skills for them to do that for themselves. But I've worked with people who have been in the system of seeking support for years, but that's often because the treatment is not based on supporting them to facilitate their own healing, rather it's taking control away. So a lot of people become in reaction to, their, to the treatment model that's being offered to them up until that point. And do a lot of people come off their own backs or are they brought by you know, family members or, or carers, people that, that love them, friends? Because I, again I work with a, a wide range of peoples. People who are younger come because their family has supported them too and they've been referred through medical, the GPs or the hospitals or things like that. So there's people that are there definitely in a lot of resistance, which I can totally understand because they're so deeply hurt and they're just going to think, well, I'm just going to be another one of those professionals that tell them what to do. So the first part of our treatment always has to be building that relationship of supporting them to feel safe and knowing like when I share that our, our business is about understanding and changing behaviour, I always say that understanding and judgement can never exist together. So we're never here to judge a person's behaviour, we're simply here to support them to understand that behaviour. In that model, it depends on how deeply hurt the person is as to how quickly they're going to start to feel safe with you and start to connect with you. And then from there, that they then feel safe to apply the strategies that you're supporting them with to their own life. So there's a lot more behind the scenes than just addressing the eating disorder per se. How do you not become attached to each person's story and emotion and, and that sort of thing in the role that you're in? Yeah. So probably the key process for me again comes back to the word understanding is um, I see each person is on a, a journey and they're here to develop the skills to be able to deal with whatever life is presenting and we're all being presented with different aspects of life but that's there for each person as an opportunity for them to develop, for them to take their process of development to a further level. So I'm not ever here like if I judge a person then I think that it's bad that they're in that situation. I actually come from a point of understanding that they're there in the situation that they need to be in so that they can actually self-master life. It's not about getting attached, it's not about me needing to fix anybody and I've certainly been through that process for myself there's been times that I've been caught up in that and going oh wow I really wish this person's life turned out better for them so there's been a lot of work that I've had to do on myself to be able to be able to observe my clients but not actually take on board everything that's going on for them. And does somebody help you with that or, or is it your own self-help that enables that? No, I'm constantly getting support for myself as well and if you take the field of mental health professionals to a greater perspective, I see one of the biggest downfalls for mental health professionals is that we can often live in a way that we think we've got all the answers. 
Whereas um, the first to always say I'm exactly the same as my clients in that I'm still experiencing life and I'm still presented with life that I don't feel equipped to deal with. So I've developed what we call a three-step process to behaviour change and in those three steps we're teaching people to develop a relationship with their body so that they can understand and read their body and their body tells them how they're experiencing life. And as soon as our anxiety levels have increased ever so slightly, we just get to the point and say, well, I wonder why. And the I wonder why is saying, well, there's an aspect of life that we've been presented with that we don't feel like we've got the skills to respond to. So from there, I then go, well, as a society, we're all teachers and we're all here to teach each other and ourselves to develop the skills to deal with those parts of life. So step one is listen to our body and find out when we're anxious. Step two is to say, well, what part of life are we anxious about? And step three is saying, well, how do we develop the skills to deal with that part of life? I personally live those three steps myself. I'm constantly observing my own body. I'm constantly observing what I react to. And I'm constantly seeking support to be able to, to support me to master the parts of life that I've not yet mastered. And do you think those three steps are easier when somebody becomes more aware and that a lot of that awareness can actually come through food and what you are putting or not putting in, in your body? Food in of itself, if, if you take it back to the phrase when I, I reversed eating disorder to disordered eating, a lot of the time our disordered eating is happening in a way so that we eat foods to numb our body. So we're not actually able to feel how we're reacting to life. So the relationship with our body is ever so important to be able to support people, to be able to, to learn how to self-master all parts of life. You give a lot of talks. I noticed that there was an eating disorder free talk. You give a lot of free talks. Tell us where they're based and, and what other sorts of things that you cover. So all the free community talks that I offer are based on the Gold Coast because they're, they're part of the Gold Coast Active and Healthy Program which is sponsored by the Gold Coast City Council. So I do those community talks probably every three to four weeks. We cover a wide range of topics like eating disorders is one. We talk about sadness, grief and loss, depression, anxiety, anger management, social skills development. I think there may be topics on drug and alcohol abuse, well, I know I work a lot with that with my clients. Just supporting people to basically understand and change unwanted behaviour. About 17 different talks that we offer. And where can we find out more if somebody wants to come along to one of the talks or just to meet you in general? So everything that we offer is on my website, so Fabic's website is www.fabic.com.au. And the rain stopped, yay! <laughs> yes. Thank you.